And the purpose of the Advent candles is that it's preparing for his coming. Advent is an advance notice. It, it is the announcement of something special that's going to happen. It gives you an anticipation. It's a looking for uh, a coming. And as I shared last week, Jesus had, there were over 350 prophecies declaring that a Savior was coming. And so God always gives us advance notice. How many know there's a bunch of prophecies telling us that he's coming again? Oh, dude, that's what I'm looking for. Praise the Lord. I have some friends that think he already came and he's not coming again and this is the best it's going to get. I said, man, that, that bums me out right there. Hallelujah. But I believe God's coming and he's coming for us. And that's our blessed hope. Amen. The coming of the Lord. And so we're supposed to live prepared. And so last week we wrote the first candle that's burning right now. And that's a prophecy candle or the declaration candle, the announcement candle. And this week is the Bethlehem candle. And it is the candle of preparation. And it's always important how you prepare. How many know you get what you get ready for? Amen. And so this morning, Wayne and Sally are coming, and they're going to light the candle and read the scripture for us, and so, uh, and pray with us. Praise the Lord. Good morning. I guess you have to put this by your mouth. Okay, I get to read uh, John chapter 1, verses 6 through, let's see, 6 through 9 verses 15 and 16 and 19 through 23. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the full, fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. Amen. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the, in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. There is an interpretation. Jesus is the Messiah. There is no other Savior, Lord, or Messiah than Jesus Christ. This was the message that John the Baptist, who is also known as the forerunner of the Messiah, while John was a great man who led many people to repentance, John clearly stated that he was not the Messiah. 
just as David referred to the Messiah as his Lord, so John calls Jesus the one who is greater than him because he was before John. As well, we are to live our lives like John, doing good things and pointing people to Jesus Christ. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. I'd like to pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you give us the insight to follow the example of John the Baptist and place you before all others in our lives. May the power of the Holy Spirit be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. 50 years still walking hand in hand. How do you know when you're too old to not hold hands? When you don't have hands. Amen. Hallelujah. God's so good. Amen. He is so good. Hey, there's cards back there for our Christmas program, and they're put out in invite cards so you can invite a friend. Get one of those, invite a friend, get your daily devotional, and uh, there's a, the next four days. In fact, it started out the first, the, the second, third, fourth, and fifth are on marriage, how to have a great relationship. So read your devotional, and you'll end up just like Wayne and Sally. Praise the Lord. One last thing, this morning we're so blessed to have the Teen Challenge Choir and young people with us and family with us, our dear friends Cameron and Deborah Joy, and we, did, we had a great service already, and so I'm excited for this second service. One last announcement to give, and uh, moving forward in our church and every place we're going, is that coming in January we have something called Growth Tracks that we've been talking to you about, and you're going to hear some more about that. But what those are, it's a four-week catalyst program specifically designed to help every believer become devoted and a developed follower in Christ. doesn't matter whether you're newly saved, new to the church, or been here a long time. It'll help each and every one of us. It's four weeks that we'll go through on Sunday morning and a rotation about every six weeks. It's great for everybody to go through it. Amen? Helps you find out about the church, programs that are here, go through a gifting uh, examination, find out what your gifts are, and then help you get plugged in and become a producer in the kingdom of God. Amen? God wants you to have great harvest and great fruit. Jesus said, I appoint you to go forth and bear fruit. Amen? So that's our goal for everybody, see everybody fulfill their purpose in Christ. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we're blessed. We're going to welcome the uh, Cameron and Deborah Joy, welcome them as they come, representing Sacramento Valley Teen Challenge. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. They've been our friends for quite a few years, and uh, we got to visit them while they were pastoring in Eureka, and uh, we go up there on vacation every year, and then uh, the Lord moved them down here and has set them this year as directors over the Sacramento Valley Teen Challenge, a great, great ministry, and we're glad to partner with them. We love you guys. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, church. I'm Deborah Joy English. I am the event director at Sacramento Valley Teen Challenge. We are so, so very excited to be here. The first reason is because this is our home church. 
And we are just happy to be here. Thank you for welcoming all of us. The second reason is because I don't know about you, but I love to see God do miracles. And behind me are miracles. And you're going to get to hear some of their miracle stories. So before I get off the stage, I just want to, Pastor alluded to the fact that we have a table back there. Um, the ladies make jewelry. Everything is handmade. And if you buy them, all the money goes back into the ministry. So I just wanted to draw your attention to that. And without further ado, Teen Challenge. and resentment and 
a lot of feelings I didn't know how to deal with, so I bottled it up. And growing up, I kind of turned into the troubled child. I just didn't really care because I didn't have feelings for that. And growing on up to high school, I decided to get my life straight, try to, and I joined the Fire Explorer program and I did that for a while. And I had to move out of Susanville to look for a job uh, over in Reno because there wasn't much opportunity in Susanville. So I went to Reno and I just started partying and using drugs recreationally. And that didn't work out for me. Uh, a few months later, I ended up moving back to Susanville and that's kind of where my downward spiral began. I started using meth and heroin and pain pills and psych meds. And I started using it intravenously and that's when my life of crime started. Uh, I started stealing from everyone I could to get my next fix and that landed me in jail with 10 felonies and I was looking at 10 years in prison. And that's when my lawyer came up to me and said, you're young, let's try to get you into a program. Um, we're gonna see what happens, so fill out for Teen Challenge and I'm gonna try to get you into a program. So I go back to my cell, I fill out for Teen Challenge. Um, a couple months goes by and I get an interview and this short interview was for to see if I was able, if I was emotionally ready, if I was gonna do the program. And it turned into like two hours of him speaking life into me. And that's the first time I really heard about God. And after that interview, I went back to my cell and I really got down on my knees and I prayed for the very first time. Lord, help me, help me start my life over again, give me a new, new beginning, clean slate. And I prayed every day after that. And on January 11th, I got released from jail and nine o'clock that night, I walked into Teen Challenge's front doors. And ever since I've been in Teen Challenge, it has been a huge blessing. Um, he sh God showed me so much things that he'll never leave me. He sticks to his promises. Um, he gives you what you need, not what you want. Um, it's crazy. Uh, we get two hours of curriculum every day, plus group study. And that's probably my favorite part of the day. Uh, I get to learn about God and what he can do for us and what he's done for us. And he does so much for us. I never really understood until now that he did die for us, like Pastor was saying on communion, that in order for those gifts, he paid the price, and it really, it really touches me that I have a hope and a future. And um, after I prayed that prayer in jail, uh, it's been a while. I've been through the program almost towards the end. And he actually showed me the prayer. He answered for me. He's given me a clean slate. 
He's given me a new area to live in. He's given me job opportunities, a firm foundation in the Lord and in church. Um, he just, he gives it all to me. I mean, Thanksgiving was the first Thanksgiving in four years that I've got to spend with my family. And when it comes, it floods. And I love the blessing. I love him. Thank you very much. Don't touch the bottom. <laughs> okay, I have note cards because I'm more than twice as old than most of these people. <laughs> so if I don't have cards, I'll go on bunny trails. But good morning, church. My name's Maria Batchelder. Um, I'm 52 years old. I had to look at that. Um, I was very blessed to be raised in a very loving Christian home uh, by my two hardworking parents, along with my two sisters and my brother. And um, I started going to church at age seven on the Sunday school bus. And I got saved at age 13 at church camp. Um, we lived in San Jose until I was 15 years old when my parents decided to move us to a small rural town called Wheatland. And we weren't very happy about that. <laughs> Somebody knows. Yeah, we weren't really happy about that, but after a while we adjusted and um, everything seemed perfect. We had a close-knit family and a, a very loving community. We settled into a, a very supportive church. And then um, suddenly my father passed away of a heart attack. And even though I knew that I would see him again someday and that he was with the Lord, um, I still felt abandoned and I began struggling with uh, depression and anxiety. Um, my mother remained very strong and so I pushed down the grief and I tried to follow in her footsteps. I clung for dear life to the verses in Psalm 55, six through eight. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hasten to my place of refuge from the stormy wind and tempest. At, at 22, um, I married a godly Christian young man, and a year later, we had a beautiful daughter. Uh, in 1991, we were part of a church planning team and we served there for 11 years. We were very busy working. Um, everything on the surface seemed great, but I was still struggling with depression and anxiety. I was plagued by it. At age 34, I had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Excuse me. And I started taking antidepressants and drinking. Um, I was really angry at God and I f at how my life had turned out and I felt so alone that I left my husband and daughter for the attention of another man. Gave up on God. I turned away from God, my family, my church. I moved in with my boyfriend and began drinking and smoking marijuana heavily to try to kill the pain that I was in. I lived in denial of the truth of God's love for the next 13 years. In that time, I suffered through two abusive relationships and I got two DUIs. Um, I hated my life and I felt suicidal. At my daughter's invitation um, to go back to that church that we'd started, um, 
I decided I needed to do what was best for her and support her and not turn her invitation down. So I went, but I was terrified to go because I feared judgment and, and questions from everyone. And when I got there, I found nothing but the love of Jesus in the faces of all the people who had been praying for me all along to come back to him. Um, even though that I knew that God loved me and he was waiting for me to come home like the prodigal son, I couldn't break old patterns of drug and alcohol abuse. At one point, I was sober for a year and a half, and I earned two associate's degrees, and I was going to church regularly, and I thought, I got this. And the problem was I was doing it in my own strength. And I ended up self-sabotaging, um, smoking marijuana with a Christian friend, rationalizing that I could do it with like her and that I would be okay. But all it did was it opened a, a huge open door for backsliding away from the Lord for four months. Um, I hated myself. I felt like a loser. And a friend suggested that I call um, Teen Challenge. He said, you need to go to rehab. And I said, for four months of smoking marijuana. And I didn't think that was a serious thing, although it was ruining my life. Um, I, I didn't know I'd qualify as an addict. And... When I called Teen Challenge, I found out that it's a place for people with life-controlling issues, and I'm more than qualified for that. So since Teen Challenge, I know that he literally rescued me from the storm and put me in a safe place of rest and refuge from worldly temptations and distractions. In the past 16 months, I've spent lots of time with him, getting to know him through his word and how much he loves me. Um, I found out that he sings over me like a baby. I saw him holding me like a baby in his arms, singing over me like the verse says, and that he's my loving father, and he's my Abba, he's my daddy. And I'm no longer angry at him, even though I don't understand why my father had to leave at such a young age when we still needed him. But I trust God, and I know that he's my healer, and he's my provider. And he's healed me from all my self-inflicted pain and the pain of losing my dad. And um, he's restored everything back to me. I used to work with my youth group in my church, and I never thought that I would have that opportunity again. And my sister and my brother-in-law in the Bay Area have a church, and they've invited me to move in with them at the reentry phase and work with their youth group and to help them in their ministry. So it's a total victory Amen. that I never expected to have because I never thought that he would reward me something like that, the opportunity to minister to others again. And um, a couple months ago, because my priorities are now kingdom focused, I was able to lead my three little nieces to the Lord. They're 10 and 11 and 11. And at Thanksgiving, the three of them and myself, we all got baptized. I recommitted to the Lord with them. Amen. So our God is a gracious and loving God, and he's so overwhelmingly loves us and wants to give us everything that we need in our lives if we'll just stay and surrender to him. And I thank you so much for supporting this ministry because... This ministry is changing the lives of people every day, and we couldn't do it without your prayers, without your volunteer 
um, help and without your financial support. And thank you for listening to my testimony. Good morning, church. My name is Mindy. I'm 36 years old. Um, I started out um, the youngest of two children. My parents um, had kids at a very young age. They were 17 when they got married and had my brother. So they both struggled with their own addiction problems. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I'm really nervous. I haven't done this in a while. I'm used to being on the other end of this. <laughs> so, um, but... So I was always compared to my brother. I was never good enough. I was always the one that uh, needed more discipline. I never listened. Uh, my brother was the better kid. I was told I was teased a lot by my dad and my brother about my weight and the way that I looked. So um, I just grew up feeling like I didn't really fit in. Um, my parents got separated when I was 12, and me and my mom moved in with my grandma, who told me every day how much she wished I wasn't born. So I just really felt like I didn't fit in. My mom chose men over being there with me and left me with my grandma. So just left me searching for anything to feel accepted. I quickly found that in um, drugs and alcohol and in older men. So that's kind of how I lived my life. I became an addict of methamphetamines at the age of 14. And I used until the age of 18 when I got pregnant with my first daughter. I thought when I had my daughter, I was going to do things different. My plan was to do things better than what my parents did for me. I quickly found out that I had no idea how to do things differently. Um, I didn't fall back into my dr uh, into methamphetamines, but I did um, switch addictions, and I was given pain pills by my doctor for a medical problem and found that that just led me down several years of, I didn't think it was a problem because the doctor was prescribing it to me. Um, by the time, in 2009, by, uh, I had, by this time I already had my second daughter and I was taking probably anywhere from 80 to 90 pills in a day. And by the grace of God, I never overdosed, but I don't know how, sometimes I bla would black out, had no idea where I was. Um, I decided in 2009 I was going to try and help my still alcoholic father get better and found that that was the wrong decision to ever make. I, start, I fell back into methamphetamines and lost my kids. I lost everything. I was homeless, didn't have anything, had no hope, had no desire to live anymore. I had lost a cousin to his addiction. He took his life. And I found that I started to think that he had this uh, tremendous courage because he was able to do something that I wish I could do to myself. Um, so finally, I, I cried out to God and said, if you're real, I just need, I either need you to take me from this world or help me get better because I don't know what to do. And he, I fully believe that I heard the audible voice of God that told me if I would do things his way, he would had a plan. So at that point, I, 2014, I decided I was going to do things his way instead of my own. I walked through the doors of Teen Challenge um, April 9th of 2014, and I've never looked back. It was the best decision I ever made. Um, he's given me, he, I mean, he's restored so much. I, I had no idea what I was getting into when I came into the program. I knew that it was a faith-based program, but I had no clue what I was getting into. But I was willing to do whatever. He's given me back a hope. Um, I actually have a total of four children, and all of my kids have been restored back to me. Um, I wasn't even allowed to be with them by myself because of how bad my addiction had gone and how 
much they feared I would do something to my kids. And now I'm blessed that they're in my life. And I was hired on to Teen Challenge um, right after I graduated. I've been a staff member for two years. I'm the child care coordinator. I get to serve in children's ministry at my church. I get to lead the choir. And I've just been started doing the... Um, admissions coordinator for the program. So I get to interview people that are broken and have no hope, and I get to speak life into them and let them see that there isn't, they don't have to live that way, that they can, they can get through it. If I can get through it, they can get through it. So God's just doing amazing things, and I can't wait to see what else he has. So it's because of churches like you that support us and pray for us um, and invite us here to tell your stories that we're able to do what we do. So I just thank you so much for listening to my testimony.
Thank you, Pastor Don. I am Pastor Cameron English, and I've been with uh, Sacramento Valley Teen Challenge for about a year and a half, but we were uh, chosen as executive directors September 1st, right? And I did, when we came back from Eureka, I didn't come back to Eureka to uh, be the guy. I came back, I'm a, a real estate agent, I was just gonna, you know, work in the ministry, look for a place in the corner, and do the thing, and the Holy Spirit chased me down. And I, I mean, it's just, I can't, I can't even describe to you um, how I got here. I don't know. But I'm going to give my testimony in a minute. But I asked Dave to stay. Um, you know, my wife leaned over while the New Life Choir was doing their song, and she said, you know, these folks come in, and, and most of them don't have any kind of musical ability at all. I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm saying they haven't been serving in that way. A lot of them don't have a relationship with Christ. And they get up and minister like this. Um, it's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. When I first got to Teen Challenge, I didn't really know how it worked. We got involved up in Eureka, and I asked one of the guys. He was new. I go, are you in the choir? He goes, everybody's in the choir, you know? Um, <laughs> But anyways, uh, Dave has been in the program for about nine months, and I just want to ask him a few questions. God has really done something powerful in his life, and I know that there's probably in a group this size, there's probably somebody here that needs to hear what he's going to say. So why don't you start off by telling us your name and how old you are? My name is David, and I'm 28 years old. And what was life like just before you came to Teen Challenge? I was on the road to suicide. I was in the walls, locked up in a mental hospital. And uh, before that, I was cutting myself two to three times a day, drinking and using drugs. And what did, thank you, what did, uh, what did the doc, how did the doctors treat you? What kind of medicine did they put you on? They put me on everything. And then when I was getting out of control, they just raised the dose of the pills and they locked me up away from everyone. And just said I just started diagnosing me with extreme depression and just said that I should be locked away from everyone in society. And so you've been in Teen Challenge for nine months, right? And how long have you been off of the uh, medicine? Um, no, just about nine months. I've, I haven't taken one. I haven't taken one pill. You know how I know that? We don't, we don't let them come in on drugs, you know? Nine months. So why don't you tell us... Because the doctors said he was on really serious stuff, uh, psych med type stuff, very powerful mind-altering things. And I'm not saying that God didn't give doctors wisdom and that, that there's medicines. If you need to take medicine, take it. But what I'm saying is, is after nine months of being off of it, he's doing better than he ever has. So just briefly tell us what it's been like since you've been in Teen Challenge. Uh, since I've been in Teen Challenge, because I previously, uh, I was I was an atheist, and I walked, so I was an atheist, and now I went back to my relationship with God, because I walked back, so everything that, all the damage that came to my heart, God's starting to heal, so he took me from a mental hospital to a spiritual hospital, known as Teen Challenge, and he's healing me of everything, and he's putting... Uh, dreams in my heart some vision in my heart and he's just showing me the things he wants me to accomplish after he's uh done with me at teen challenge 
Have you been any? Have you had any trouble sleeping or any trouble with clarity of mind? No, I haven't. I used to take medication, uh, trazodone, to uh, put me to sleep because I could never sleep. So they they used to have to put that so I could fall asleep. I don't take anything for it now. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, I say it, you can't argue with the changed life. And my wife and I have been pastors of local churches for 20 years now. I hate to say that because I'm starting to, 20 years. We've almost been married. How many? 34? How many? 34, yeah. Next month on the 14th. Yeah. Her birthday's the 11th. The anniversary's the 14th. Um. You know, the changed lives, we, we, as, as a pastor, you know, when we would go out into the community or get up on Sunday morning to speak, I, I, you know, I don't know how to articulate this, but people expect a pastor to get up and testify, and he should, and, it, and the testify, the testimony comes out of the life that you're living, but when you put somebody up that has had a transformation like that, and they say, I don't know what happened, but I was over here, here I met Jesus, and now I'm over there, and they have glows on their faces, and their faces are shining, shining and their countenance are changed. You can't argue with that. You just can't argue with that. And it's so nice for us to be here, uh, pastors, Don and Sue, you've, you've welcomed us in, and you we go to a lot of churches. My wife said this is our home church, and it is, but we do this all over California, and when we don't have a service, we come here. And we go to a lot of different churches. You can tell the churches that welcome you in, and I don't know if I'm articulating that right. I'm trying to be respectful. Here, you can just sense that uh, that that it's not like, okay, that's those people put them over in the corner, because here, the leadership team recognizes that the ministry of Jesus Christ is about transforming lives. And we minister to addicts and alcoholics, but what we do is we say life-controlling issues because everybody has some kind of life-controlling issue. You know, it's true because we're broken people and we need a savior and we need to be redeemed. So what I want to do is I did not plan on doing this, and I believe that Speaker, pastors, they need to be prepared, and I have my sermon over there. It's all prepared. It's a 15-minute sermonette. But during worship, uh, in the first service, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and I really felt like I needed to just share a little bit of my testimony. It's something that I don't do. Mindy, who's one of our staff members, she just testified. She had no idea I was going to ask her to do it. So it's leadership, testimony, day for us, confession time. And you know what? It's really hard. You know, I can get up here and have my notes and get my Bible out and have all my duckies in a row. But when you talk about the pain and the struggles and, and where you've come from, it's very difficult. But this is what I want to say. Uh, we have three adult children, uh, three adult sons, and then we have our daughter who's 11. How, how old's our oldest child? I can't remember. 29, that's what I said. So... 
we have three adult sons. They are absolute blessing. They're they're doing really good. Matter of fact, the oldest one's getting married, which is cool because I want grandkids. And I'm just like, when are you guys going to get brokered up so we can have grandkids? But anyways, we have our three adult sons and we have a daughter who is just a little mini Deborah Joy. It's just the joy of my heart. Um, and, but what I want to tell you is, is that in 1987, our first child died. He died suddenly and unexpectedly. It was a crib death, sudden infant death syndrome. And I want to tell you, they don't know what causes it. Uh, the medical experts are just as baffled now as they were then all those years ago. And when my son died, it was our first child. And it was, it was, I don't know how to describe that season. I just felt like the wheels were coming off. And we were people of Christian background, Christian faith. We were living for the Lord at that time. We were on fire. We were evangelizing. And I dealt with it then, but I really didn't deal with it. And what happened was when we moved here from the Bay Area prior to going to Eureka, um, I was involved in full-time ministry and I just melted down. And what happened was those issues begin to surface. And I didn't understand that I hadn't really dealt with the death of my son. And I, I don't even know. My story is very similar. I had uh, got injured in a car accident. A lady went through a red light on uh, Green Valley and Bass Lake Road. I was just driving and, and she dropped her uh, phone on the floorboard of her car. and She went right through the red light. She hit me on the driver door. It messed up my back. And I went to a pain rehab place and they did some kind of experimental treatment and they gave me a big jar of opiates. And I had never taken them before. And I thought I was healed because for three months I didn't have any pain. But you know what? When the pills ran out, my back started hurting and I started drug-seeking behavior and I had never been through that ever in my life. I didn't understand what was wrong with me. Doctors kept prescribing. And as you know, if the doctor prescribes your medicine, then it's okay. It's not abusing it, right? Um, and I'm telling you, that led to this and this led to that and it went from that to cocaine, I had a horrible cocaine addiction. And I was talking with Maria in between services. She shared her testimony. I had come from a background as a minister's son. My dad is a Southern Baptist minister, retired. I had come from a background of a Baptist minister's son. At that time, I was a licensed Assemblies of God minister. And before you go running down there to tell them what I'm confessing today, they already know because I showed up. It was part of what my counselors and advisors said. You need to go back and tell them what you did. But I knew better. But one of the things that I learned is thinking that we are too good for God's grace is actually sinful. I had encouraged people. I had prayed for people. I laid hands on people and saw them healed on, on missions trips. I led people to Christ. But I really didn't have a hold of the concept myself. I, 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 I understood a lot of different things, but I didn't understand that I could not turn my back on God and go far enough away for him not to catch me when I turned around. I didn't understand that. I got going taking drugs, and, and I shared with the first service, it didn't matter, you know, cocaine, whatever. What I, My drug of choice is what do you got? That's, that's how bad it got. Anything that could get me out of my head, I would do. And just like you heard Mindy testify, it's a wonder that I didn't overdose. I don't know. I, I, I was not up to 80 or 90 a day, but I was definitely abusing them. And you build up a tolerance. And it was just 
shameful, horrid behavior, and I was powerless to do anything about it because I had stopped asking God for help, and I started asking for trouble. I heard that here a little bit ago. And so what happened was I got addicted into this horrible lifestyle, and all those around me that had saw me, you know, giving to others and ministering and going through all these different things, they didn't understand. They didn't know what to do. What do you do with the person that's there to comfort everybody else? When he now needs the comfort, it got really bad. I was, I was drinking and alcohol wasn't my thing, but I started drinking on a regular basis. I started drinking this anger from the death of my son and my childhood started coming out. I started fighting. Um, you know, most of the time I got beat up, but I had a big mouth, you know, and you know, up in the foothills up here, you don't want to go into these local establishments and start talking trash or call people hillbillies or anything like that because they don't like that. Um, I started, what comes along with that lifestyle is, is trouble with the law. And I started breaking the law. And I had sunk so low, at one point, I, ha I was down in Folsom, and I don't remember the whole deal, but I started a fight in a sushi restaurant. So they tell me. And I do remember a little bit about wrestling. Well, I started a fight with an, uh, he wasn't an undercover cop, but he was a Sacramento deputy who was off duty. So he had some stuff to do with me out on the sidewalk. And I was being taken to Sacramento County Jail, and I do not recommend, you do not want to go there. That's not, a, that's not a fun place at all. And I was on my way to Sacramento County Jail, and I decided that I didn't want to be in the police car anymore, so I kicked the window out of the cop car. You don't break policemen's tools. They do not like that. I got down there. Um, everybody had given up on me. I, I, it just, it, I just remember being in the bullpen, they call it, on the, on the floor. You know, you're fighting for real estate because everybody's crammed in. And I remember thinking, what has my life come to? I'm better than this. I'm smarter than this. I know about the grace of God. I don't have to... I don't have to eat slop out of the pig pen. And I knew that I needed help. Uh, the lifestyle continued. I remember one night I shared this first service. One night I came home, and my wife had a little overnight bag packed at the door. And she said, it's time for you to go. I didn't argue with her. I knew. I knew I needed to go. And I grabbed that bag, and I had such a moral conflict. And I called my dad. Uh, you know, being a minister all his life. And I said, Dad, Christian people don't get divorced. And he said, yeah, but you, you need to go. You're too sick. You're going to have to go and work it out um, with the mediator in between you guys. I didn't know what I had. I didn't understand what I had. I loved this woman with my heart. I can't imagine doing anything without her. I depend on her. She's my strength. She you know, we fight over directions still, but, um, you know, we disagree on Italian food because my mom's Italian, but I love her so much. And I was praying uh, in that season, not restore our marriage, God, make it better than it ever was. And it is better than it. I, I'm telling you, talk about healing of a marriage. We were, we were all but done. And it was because of my ignorance, and it's because Satan got in there. We were all but done. And God got in the middle of it and got a hold of me and began to restore us. So 
I just have a couple more minutes. I want to read a scripture. I want to tell you how I got back. I don't glorify Satan, and I don't glorify those things about getting arrested and, and all that. But it's important for you to know because, remember, Jesus showed his wounds. Where we came from is the testimony because it gives uh, a comparison to where we've come from to where we are now. And what that does is that brings hope because in a group this size, I know there are people sitting here that can relate to something that I'm saying. I know. And it was my prayer this morning that the right person would hear the right testimony, hear the right uh, ministry and song, They're just during communion, something that you would grab and get a hold of. Because if I just get up here and talk and the choir just gets up and sings, it's fruitless. Need the power of the Holy Spirit to take it and burn it into your heart. I was living on my own and um, my wife and I had, you know, we full-time ministry all the time. And when you're not, you're not doing that, you don't really know where to go. And so we kind of visited different places. My wife had come up here and she really liked it. And I came up with her one time. I had a totally bad attitude. And that just happens to be the Sunday that Pastor Don shared his testimony. I don't know how often he does it, but this Sunday he really laid it out. And I said, you know what? That's a guy I can relate to. I can follow him. I can listen to him. And I had been spinning out of control. At this point, my wife and I were separated. And I remember one day I wandered up here and I came to church by myself and I parked way out in the parking lot. And I, I would sit right where this gentleman is by the wreath. Raise your hand right there. Yeah. I would sit right there. I got to the farthest spot away. And what I, I was saying, you cannot come to this church and just keep to yourself. You know that, right? You get an A on that. I came in. I was greeted in the parking lot. I didn't like that. I was greeted at the back door. Um, I was a little bit late. There was a couple ladies out in the thing, and they were dancing to worship. And I was like, oh, my gosh, why are these people so happy? <laughs> I came in. I was wearing sweats. I had, I think, a Raiders, Raiders parker on. I think I was even wearing a beanie as the ultimate sign of I don't want to be here. And I just sat there, and I didn't participate in worship. And after the service was over, somebody came to me and, and, and was asking me, you know, visitors come, you need to reach out and, and, you know, so they feel like they're a part of it. And this church does a good job at that. And he came over and he was trying to talk to me and I was being kind of grumpy, but you know what, when I left, God did something in my heart. It was hard to walk back into a church after falling away. It was very hard to do, but I did. I took that first step. A couple weeks later, I came back. It was a phenomenal message here and uh, an altar call was given I love that we have altar calls here I, I come up as much as I can I just I just think that's that's the key to what we do and I got really convicted and I came down the aisle and I I was I smoked I mean smoking goes with that lifestyle and teen challenge nobody in teen challenge has ever smoked but um, they learn they're learning a lot about me today I came in and, and I had a pack of cigarettes on me. Honestly, I don't know why I, I had them in church, but I had them and I came down to the altar and, and Pastor Don was here and I took the cigarettes and I palmed them and I put them in his hand. I didn't see one shred of judgment in his eyes. I didn't get delivered that day. I, and I'm telling you, you know, some of you may know this. Nicotine is one of the hardest things to get a, to kick. It can be harder than heroin, 
But you know what? A very short time later, I, I was able to put that sin to bed, and I, I didn't have to deal with it anymore. And by me, when we walk up to the altar and we make a confession and we say, God, I'm at the end of my rope, that's when he can really do something powerful. Amen? Let me share this with you. As I close, this is Romans 8, very familiar portion of Scripture. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know what happened to me? One night I was living in that room by myself. I rented a room from a, a man and I stayed close to my house because I just wanted to be accountable. And I, I read the book, The Shack. Has anybody ever read that? And I read it and I finished it in the middle of the night and I got up and I started yelling at God. My roommate worked at night. I started yelling at God. I was like, you know what? You killed my son. What is wrong with you? That was our first baby. And I just... I just, it came from a deep place. And how many of you know you can talk to God like you talk to each other? It's just a conversation. Sometimes you get mad, you know, it's sad. That's, that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's inside of you anyways. So once you begin to tell him, that's what I love about Teen Challenge. They'll tell you right where they're at. If you're mad at me, I'd rather have you come up and say, I hate your guts instead of just sitting there smiling, going, praise God. And you're thinking, you know. You're easier to deal with. I know where we stand. I poured everything out to God. And I remember when I got done, I was standing in the kitchen. And I was kind of standing there. I never talked to God that way. And I really let him have it. The Holy Spirit reminded me of something that was in front of me my whole life. God the Father knows what it's like to have a son die. He gave his son. I wouldn't give one of my children for you. I'd give my life for one of my children. But God the Father spared not his only son. And in that moment, I realized that I, was, I had a heavenly father that understood what I was going through, and I just cried. And that was the first step. You know, the, the alcohol and the drugs and the overeating and the gambling addiction, addiction to pornography, those are just symptoms. There's a root cause of that. That's what we need to deal with is the root cause. That was the step that put me back on the right path. And God raised me up. It is amazing. I was sitting right over here by the Christmas tree in the first service, and I was remembering. I didn't plan on saying any of this. I was remembering sitting over there under the wreath. And where God has brought me in such a short time, to give you an idea of the time frame, my daughter's almost 11 and she doesn't know this lifestyle for, of me at all. And in a short time, God has put me over this wonderful, we have four residential centers with 150 beds. We're not full. Um, God is, we have 33 staff members, interns, volunteers. God has put me over something that I can relate to because I've been there. I know what it's like to be in the bed. I went to my ministry overseers. I had to make an appointment. I didn't have to, but I knew I needed to if I wanted to be restored. And I made an appointment with my ministry overseers. And I went in there and I told the truth. There's no way to water down. I got drunk and kicked the window out of a cop car. That's not like, you know, you just, you just have to say it. They restored me. And actually what they said, they said, now you're ready to minister. I went in there not even knowing if I was going to be able to keep my credentials. But 
I went in there. They and I, there was a time where I sat out, but they restored me to a place where now, and it's not easy for any of us that call on the name of Christ and follow him with all of our hearts. It's not easy. There's a lot of sacrifices. We got here before eight o'clock and Pastor Don was running around, setting up mics, setting up tables. I mean, it's, you see him up here, you know, doing the thing, play that funky music and all that, but you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, right? It's a lot of work dealing with people, but there's nothing that I would rather be doing so if I can just say a prayer, I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Don. Um, without churches like you, we would not exist. You guys, I should say we, in the middle of a building program, the pastors of this church came to our banquet and bought a table. That's, do, that's practicing it. That's because... The idea of sowing into Christian ministries, parachurch ministries that are changing lives is something that you all understand. So thank you. Very humbled to be able to come and speak here. It's very honoring. I take it very uh, seriously, and, and, and we really appreciate it. So would you just join me as we pray, and I'm going to close. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, and it's... It's hard. I know the students, when they get up and they share their testimonies, I, I see them tremble. And it, it's hard. It's hard to talk about yourself. And Lord, today, I, I hope that I didn't spend too much on the bad and that I, I transitioned it into the good. I just, I, I felt convicted, Holy Spirit, to share where I've come from. And my prayer, God, is that it would help somebody today. Um, Lord, that, that somebody that may be discouraged or a marriage that's in trouble or somebody that's struggling with, uh, I'll say, secret sin, even though a lot of times people that love us know what we're doing. God, I pray that you would break that in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that our lives would be living examples. And God, I just pray about this contract on the building. It's going to be so nice to go from being a renter to an owner. That You want to move a wall. You want to do something. You don't need permission to do it. Thank you, God, that every single need is being met and that you prepare for what you're going to do. That's another nugget I'm going to take away with me today. God, thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you would bless this church richly for their commitment. Help us, God, to go forward in all that you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good stuff. Amen. I just want to give us the opportunity to pray together before we go. Um, I felt the Holy Spirit speak something to me specifically, maybe for a couple people here this morning, but in so many of our lives. And uh, listening to the testimonies of these young people and hearing their transparency in these lives. Uh, it's amazing what happens when we take our masks off or let our guards down and uh, just let God have access to our lives. Amen? And uh, I, I shared in first service, but many times maybe you've been to the doctor and you have a pain, you have something, you go with a broken arm, and then they touch that and they go, does it hurt right there? Yes, it's broken. It hurts right there. Why do you have to touch that? And uh, But there's another way that God works in our life. We do such a good job of covering up our pain. 
Because we think if we expose our pain, we look vulnerable. Or we look less than whole or less than productive or less valuable in somebody else's eyes. And then you sit in a service like this and you hear the redeeming grace of God. And you feel the Holy Spirit touching you, saying, hey, it hurts right there, doesn't it? Nice job trying to cover that up, but I know that place. And the only reason, see, the doctors try to identify, so they touch and they probe to figure out where the pain is. And then they try to figure out the best cure, try to come up with the cure to help us be delivered from our pain. But how many know when the Holy Spirit touches your pain, he has the answer? God doesn't guess. He knows what we need. And I just, I read this in first service. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 simply says, These are they that overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. When you and I get past our shame to declare what God's done in our life, God can use that. Because somebody else needs to hear about his delivering and saving grace to know that there's hope for them as well. Amen? But this morning I was sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit say this, that there are some folks here, you don't do drugs, but you stay real busy to avoid having to deal with the pain in your life. You have a kind of a Martha syndrome. The opioid of busyness to cover the pain of loneliness, rejection, abuse, failure. If I just stay busy, I won't have to deal with it. But God only touches that so He can heal it. The Lord wants to set you free from the opioid of busyness. He wants you healed. He doesn't want that covered up. And I just felt the Holy Spirit set down in this place. And there's a God is a delivering God. But maybe you're here today and there's another area in your life. I felt that was specific for a few people. But maybe there's somebody here and there's other areas in your life. It was hard for me for a long time to have to talk about failures in your life and moving forward in that. But being able to know, like I said earlier in first service, I said, you know what, you come to God and you feel like you don't have anything to offer. And you think, oh God, how could you use me? And then he shares with us the truth. I didn't ask you to bring anything. God doesn't need anything from us for us to be useful. He needs us to receive what he gives to us. He offers us everything we need. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Cameron said it, and it's so true. There's nothing more powerful than a transformed life. And if you're here today, and you've just been keeping yourself busy, I felt like this applies to somebody. This has been going on a long time. It goes back to a lot of areas, even starting in your childhood. I just get busy. If I get busy, I won't have to think about that. Not that you turn to drugs or alcohol or other things, but you just find another way to anesthetize the pain.
another way just to keep things numb so that I never have to deal with it. And then when the Holy Spirit comes and it begins to touch on that, you get real uncomfortable because it's a painful situation. And, and these are vulnerable times, but God never exposes anything without desiring to heal. He only reveals so he can heal. And if you're here today and you need healing in any area of your life, in your body, in your emotions, or over abuses, whatever it may be, don't miss an opportunity in His presence for the Holy Spirit to touch and heal in your life. As they lead, we have prayer counselors and a prayer team that will come up. If you need prayer in any area, let us pray with you. Let us agree with you. Come on, let's close the door on the enemy. Let's open our lives up and allow God to touch and heal this morning. As they begin to sing, you move. Let the Holy Spirit draw you closer to God and His healing power in your life. Come on, let God heal you this morning.